bad, bad addict. Um, every time I was able to get a loan, I was doing drugs. I've been in prison four times, twice in the state, twice in the feds. I was doing all this crazy stuff, cooking drugs and just staying high. God called me from a prison cell. I was a homeless drug addict, and my hope was found in a needle. I was eight months pregnant, homeless, um, living out of my van. You know, it wasn't freeway that saved me, it wasn't John Stroop that saved me, but God uses freeway in such a mighty way as a tool to reach these people. There's not a community or a county in America that doesn't have a drug problem. And the, the church has the answer and it's the gospel of Jesus Christ. Welcome to One Broken Life. My name is John Stroop with my special guest, Millie. Hi. Glad to have you today, Millie. Glad to be here. One Broken Life is a, a podcast where we explore the intimate details of people's lives. Uh, we believe many times the bigger the mess, the bigger the message. That's right. Um, and so we have a couple uh, verses that we uh, like to kind of, it's like theme verses for the podcast. And uh, Psalms 51, 17, uh, David says, the sacrifices of God are broken spirit in a broken and contrite heart, these, O oh God, you will not despise. Uh, David basically is saying uh, through Psalms 51 that God isn't desiring works, uh, the multitude of sacrifices or the blood of bulls and goats, but what God wants is a broken heart and uh, someone who has reached that place where they are in a broken place where they're seeking the Lord. And, um, and so that's, that's what this podcast is all about. Um, one of the other verses that I really like, I think fits here, is Psalms 112, or excuse me, Philippians 112. Uh, Paul in prison on death row, he says, the things, he says, brothers, the things which happened to me have actually turned out for the furtherance of the gospel. And, um, and so today, Millie, you are that one broken life uh, that we're going we're gonna to talk to today and kind of let people hear your story. Uh, I know you personally. I've asked you on this podcast because of your credibility, um, I believe in you, and and I think that you're the real deal. And so, uh, would you just give us a brief uh, beginning of what was your life life like growing up? Well, I was born into an alcoholic and drug addict home. Um, alcohol was a very common thing in my household growing up. Um, and then my dad was a drug dealer when I was younger, so um, I made a lot of his friends that were from the streets and um, by the age of two I was running around acting like I was snorting drugs and that's something that broke my dad into stopping dealing drugs but there was still drugs in the household um, so it was it was really it was really toxic and I faced all kinds of abuse and it had me question my worth and had me thinking that I was dirty and worthless and that's the title that I began to live in as I started growing up. Um, God blessed me with a little brother that I kind of used as my um, escape. I would put all my love into him until I got older and then that's when things became even harder for me as a normal teenager, I thought I fell in love, and um, I gave everything I had to him, and then shortly after, 
we broke up and that left me again wondering if I was dirty and worthless. And quickly after that, I made some friends that were in addiction and I got right there with them because it began to numb all the pain and question questions I had growing up. It was something that could help me escape that. So how old were you when you was full-blown addiction? Uh, 16. Um, I started about 16, 15. Okay. Yeah. And so uh, that, that was my other question is when, when, how old were you when your drug use started? So you'd say a teenager? Yes. Uh, 15 or 16 years old. So as we talk to you right now, uh, how long have you been clean and sober? I have been clean and sober since 2019. Um, I have not touched meth by the grace of God since 2013 when I was in the hospital for it. Okay. So let's, uh, let's kind of talk through. So from 16, uh, how old are you now? I'm 30. Okay. Uh, I know you're not supposed to ask a woman how old she is, <laughs> but I appreciate you being honest with us. Uh, so from 2013 till today, um, something had to bring you to your broken place. So uh, one of the things that we teach people is rock bottom is not a place. Rock bottom is a state of mind. And so you can hit rock bottom. Sometimes people say, well, I don't know what it's going to take for them to hit rock bottom. They've already lost everything or, you know, they've had all these traumatic things happen in their lives. So what else could happen to make them hit rock bottom? But what people don't understand is rock bottom doesn't mean the severity of things that have happened to you. It has to be more severe than right. what's happened. That's not what rock bottom is. Rock bottom is a place of mind, a state of mind to where you say, okay, that's it. It could be little. It could be something that doesn't even compare to the trauma you've been through, but you hit that place and you finally say enough. I'm broken. I'm done. Like the prodigal son, mm -hmm. you know, he's in the yes. pig pen. He says, he says, uh, uh, I'll say to my father, I've sinned against you in heaven and earth. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. And so he gets himself up and he goes, right. He hits rock bottom in that pig pen. So, so what brought you to your place of brokenness, Millie? <clears throat> There's two instances. Um, I'll share the first one, and then it led me to the second one. The first one, I ended up at the hospital. My parents had put me on a suicide watch because I was about 90 pounds um, and running the streets as hard as I could. And they, they had me meet them at Arby's, and they bought me food, and they knew I would crash. And I fell asleep, and I woke up to the officers knocking on the window, and they asked me if I wanted to live, and I said, I don't care if I'm dead or alive. And I ended up on an affidavit, but that was an affidavit from God. Um, in those moments, I got to the hospital, and I was like, you guys could have just had me admitted for this. And I lifted my arm up, and I had an abscess in my arm from IV drug use. And so I went to an emergency surgery, and I wake up. And I'm, I'm still not sober, but I was clear enough to where I was like, how did I end up here? And so I was on a suicide watch, and um, I begged the lady that I was talking to to give me a couple moments because I was, I was ready to just ask God if he was real, but I was not humble then. And so, because when you're humble, you'll, you'll cry out to God no matter who's there. Um, and so she left the room, and I asked God to show me if he was real. And from that day forward, he did. Um, I started reading my Bible and studying at home and going to church with my grandma. But unfortunately, the church I was at, um, they, they knew my past, and they kind of had a hard time forgiving me for that. And I hadn't forgave myself because I hadn't given my life to the Lord. So um, I ran back to the streets guilt-ridden by what I did. It was no one else's fault because it was my choice. I went on a two-week binge, and I, um, 
I ended up at this hotel and I was begging my mom to get me and she wanted and I ended up getting beat up by this guy black and blue all over and the cops got called and I had a bunch of drugs and I handed them over to the police officer and I said I don't care where you take me I want to get sober and they called my mom and she took me to um, the hospital and then that's when my journey began but I'm such a knucklehead it took a minute <laughs> okay so uh, through being beaten up uh uh, being committed, um, being 90 pounds, uh, track marks up and down your arm, probably collapsed veins. Yeah, you probably couldn't everywhere. find a vein anywhere no. uh, because you collapsed them all. Um, dirty, dirty needles, yeah. dull needles. Yeah. Uh, and so you were like a pincushion, um, 90 pounds soaking wet. And so you go, you, you go to uh, treatment again? Yeah, I've been um, a total of... 11 treatments. This last treatment stuck with me, though, because um, it's where I got humbled by God. I was, guys were talking to me. I would write letters back to them. I didn't know how to say no to men. Um, that was a struggle for me because I grew up not ever being able to stay, say no to men. Um, so my counselor caught me <laughs> red-handed, set me down, and took every ride I had away except for the opportunity to go to this church is what everyone in rehab called it, and it ended up being freeway. And so I went there, and that's the day that I seen I had hope. Um, Charlotte had talked to me that day. She came in there and talked to me and told me her life was like mine and that I saw her life. And then I saw you and I was like, maybe I, maybe I do belong here. And then that's the journey where I began searching. Amen. And so you said there was two things that helped you hit rock bottom. Yes. And so did you speak of both of them already? Um, well, yes. Okay. Yes. All right. And so... What was your relationship like growing up with you and your parents? It was really rough. I would do whatever I could to try to um, feel worthy of their love. And um, I, looking back, I just see that they were lost people and they, they were grew up in the same cycle as me. So um, it's not on them. They did what they knew. But I never felt like I had done enough to be loved by them. Yeah. The home life is a big deal. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, and that's one of the things that we say is raise your kids in the church house and not the dope house, right. you know. And I've got people, I was talking to my friend the other day, and uh, we grew up together in Jeff City. We ran the streets. We've been in the same cop car together. I mean, we've fought together. We've we've done it all. And uh, we even fought each other, you know. <laughs> yeah. And uh, and he he has two kids in DYS custody. Well, one's in DYS custody, Divinity Youth Services, and the other one is kicked out uh, because he won't. He's using drugs, and uh, and those kids were in his addiction. Right. And uh, and now he's living for the Lord. This guy has been consistently, but they seen a lot of things. Mm -hmm. And then he's got this little girl, this baby girl who's never seen him on drugs or been around that, and she's different. Mm -hmm. You know. Yes. And, and so, uh, the home life is a big deal. Oh no, I totally agree. Yeah, I grew up on a lot of abuse and um, broken ribs, bloody nose. Um, I, it was by God's grace that I, I came out alive, and I would be the scapegoat so my brother wouldn't have it. I would act out on purpose to make sure that he wouldn't endure that and turn on movies and keep him safe. But I agree because um, that, that was a lot of the stuff that followed me into my, my life with my children. So we've talked about, you know, you hit rock bottom, you're at the treatment center, uh, you get busted into freeway, and then, mm -hmm. um, 
And so you 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 meet people like you. Mm-hmm. Uh, I say a poster child for Christianity. Mm-hmm. You realize that you are perfect, right, for Christianity. You know, but uh, as we look through that, um, just thinking back, we're kind of jumping around. But your childhood, mm-hmm. what did you want to be when you grew up? I didn't know I could be anything. Yeah. I just wanted to be a mom. And then I didn't when I got older because I thought I was such a monster that didn't deserve to have kids. Yeah. Okay. So you had very low self-worth, very low self-esteem. Uh, one of the things that, you know, we, we teach here is that relationships are the number one cause for relapse. Oh, yes. Because um, you feel like if someone's not trying to have sex with you, they don't love you. And so you have to constantly have someone pursuing that with you because that's where your worth comes in, right? Right. Because I want to be wanted, mm-hmm. and uh, and love is physical, you know, intimacy, mm-hmm. and so and and so we get a twisted view of that. We absolutely do, and it's a constant cycle, right? Of you know, over and over again, and so uh, so you didn't you didn't think you could be anything, no, and you had a very low self esteem. Mm-hmm. So what about so? Let's kind of talk through this for a minute. Okay. Uh, so you've been through 11 treatment centers. Yeah. When did you realize your life was out of control, Millie? My senior year, um, I was so far into addiction, I wasn't making it there, and I had to go to my first rehab. Um, I was IV drug using, and I couldn't get off the needle. And I, couldn't, I was too afraid to tell the people I was closest with because I, I didn't want to get hurt. So you're in, you're in high school. Mm-hmm. IV, an IV drug user. Have you tried to get sober on your own? Oh, absolutely. I have tried multiple times. Never worked. Okay. And so you come here, mm-hmm. and you say that's when the journey began? Yeah, but I still I still was a knucklehead, so I wasn't ready to surrender my life to, to the Lord. So I tried it in my strength, and I wanted what you guys wanted or had so bad, I would do anything to get it besides give my life to the Lord. And it took me a long time. And unfortunately, during that time, um, I fell to my idols, which was going straight to men to find my worth. And um, that happened, and uh, it became a very rough road, but it led me to salvation. <laughs> so do you want to speak on that a little bit? I mean, just I, I just for me, I, you know, there's women oh, absolutely. who are I listening to, to you and um, that are in the middle of what you come from. Right. Or maybe about to go into it again. Yeah. And so you want to talk about that a little bit? Yeah. Submit to your authority. Don't hide it. Go to them and tell them what's going on because they're going to love you through it. Um, I let myself believe the lies that from the enemy and just from my um, past that people wouldn't love me. So, But I w- couldn't give that up because I didn't have Christ in my life. So the first thing um, would be to evaluate your heart and see if you truly have gave your life to the Lord. Because he's, he is enough to take you, take those strongholds even even today. I still That's one of my struggles is they come in, men try to come into my life and I would love to have that for me and my family, but the best thing to do is submit to the authority and trust the Lord to walk you through it. So let me just kind of help with that statement of what that authority is you're talking about, because we don't want to give a false, uh, we don't want to give an idea that, you know, submit to authority. Somebody might say, well, the authority is my abuser, or the authority is. Oh, that's definitely. So when you say authority, you mean your pastor, your spiritual yes. 
mentor. You're right. someone who is not just uh, a quote-unquote Christian, but someone who's actually uh, in the church shepherding you, mm-hmm. investing in you. And so you're saying uh, get be transparent, open yeah. with that person. If, the, if they're following the Lord like they say they are, they're going to love you no matter where your heart's at in a mess. Okay. And so, uh, so you said you kept going back, right, mm-hmm. to that? Yes. To that same trap. And um, and so you, you through that, I mean, I've seen you in and out of church. I've seen, you know, a lot of heartbroken people, yeah. uh, you know, wanting the best for you and your family, your whole family, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, your husband, your kids, I mean, all that. Um, and so, you know, we, we love all of you. Right. And uh, including, you know, your husband My at the time. yeah. Your ex-husband, we we care we cared for you, we care for him uh, and your kids, and and so um, through the process here, let's talk through that. So you okay. you were falling down, getting up, falling down, getting up. So right. so what happened, Millie? Like wh- you're you finally it seems like you turned the corner, and you're doing it now. What happened was um, my ex-husband um, he he got saved. Um, and, um, I'm not for sure his salvation, but like God, he got, he had a profession of faith and that's what led me to mine because uh, he kept pointing out that I didn't have the fruits of the spirit. I wasn't doing this. I wasn't doing that. And that it was true. And I started to feel unworthy again. And, um, a moment of weakness, I went and took pain pills and I told him and he, he got upset with me. And then I went, I went to my church cause I didn't know what else to do. And I saw how they loved me, and that really worked on me. And um, about two weeks later, um, the the service before revival, one of my favorite preachers preached. Um, I I realized I wasn't saved, and I ran up and I grabbed the first person I seen, and I said they were going to pray with me at the altar. And I said, no, this is something that we have to deal with in the back. And I finally seen that it was my sin that put Jesus on the cross, and that He forgives me for everything that I've done, and I've done a lot of bad more than good in my life. Yeah. And I felt that I just felt the freedom of forgiveness, and I was able to forgive myself and all the others that hurt me through that. You know what the beautiful thing is about people that come from drug addiction backgrounds is that we. Many times we don't uh, we don't have we don't have all the fluff, you know. It's it's honesty and transparency, and it, and I want to encourage you, Millie, uh, in front of God and everybody, that we're all messed up, and uh, there's not anyone who's good outweighs their bad. There's not anyone in this world that can get on the scale and say I've done a good I've been good enough to make it to heaven on my own. You just realize it, right? Right. Uh, the Bible says that those who are love much forgive much, and That's those right. who love little forgive little. That's right. Uh, you know, are forgiven for much, love much, forgiven for little, love little. Jesus isn't saying that some people are forgiven for more. Mm-hmm. Jesus is saying that people who have been in the dark places realize the 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 forgive the the weight of forgiveness. Right. Like they they you know you've been in the dark, you appreciate the light. That's right. And. Uh, and so uh, everybody sins. Everybody falls short of the glory of God. So just so you know, um, I just want to encourage you with that. Thank you. Um, so did you ever think in, in your, your dark times that you, you could ever change? No, I didn't. Yeah, me neither. But you did. Yeah. And, and so here you are. Uh, we're, we are uh, we're sitting in this podcast room. Uh, you are an intern here at Freeway Ministries. 
Um, you, God is using you in a mighty way. Uh, you're doing a, you're doing a good work for the Lord. Um, so let's talk about the moment of your salvation. So you get saved at a revival meeting. Yeah, it was right before. It was the right before Pastor Baker was preaching. Can't even remember what it was on because I was feeling the conviction for days already, and I just couldn't <laughs> handle it anymore. So I darted up as soon as before he even started praying. And um, but it was an amazing way to start revival is having a relationship with the Lord. It was immediate. Um, it was an immediate thing where I just, I could feel God's presence. Everything that I had been searching for for my whole life from drugs, men, um, acceptance, I felt that with Jesus. Amen. And so, uh, so when was that? April 7th, 2019. Okay. So it's 2022 or 23. It's, it's 2023, March. And so you've got some, you've got some time on your hands here. Uh, and so let's kind of talk through um, through your life. Okay. Share a week in your life with us. So, so before we do that, I'm just thinking a little bit. The situation you were in then and the situation you're in now is not the same. Oh, no. So God had to take you through a journey, right? Oh, yeah. So would you just share that a little of that journey, what you want uh, to share through that? So some things have happened in your life right. uh, since then. Right. So I think the, an important part of my journey that I really want to speak on because I hope that these women know, like, you can get yourself in a situation that you may never feel like you can get out of. Um, I was in an unfortunate situation where my ex-husband kept relapsing, and we know that's a sin issue, you know, that's his heart, and it's not on him. He wants, he has the desire in his heart to be a better person, and I know that, and so, um, he relapsed several times. One, a couple times it brought me down. It took me out of church, like you said. Um, but when I got planted at this other church, um, God actually was working on his heart. And I was the one that didn't want to go to church because I, I wanted to get high after I had Jeremiah. But I went reluctantly because I wasn't about to let the, our life get in any more of a mess. And it ended up getting a hold of me. Through that, though... Um, Unfortunately, um, after I got saved, we tried to save our marriage two more times. And the last time is something that I just really want, I think anyone that's in this situation needs to know that God's enough. Um, I was a stay-at-home mom with three little boys. Um, and um, we went on a vacation, and I left there with just my children in the Lord. And um, I, I, I told God I would believe he was enough, and he was. Like, we left there, and we ended up getting an apartment that day. So you went on vacation, and you ended up a single mom from yeah. the vacation? Yep. Okay. Yep. Um, and so uh, it was a really scary situation. My mom actually ended up getting us, and she just like, yeah, right, you say this every time. And I was like, no, Mom, I'm serious. I'm surrendering my heart to God and whatever. If he thinks this is it, I surrender my marriage. I surrender all of it. I got to, I got to break these chains for my boys, and this is how it starts. And so. So you had three kids mm -hmm. since high school. Yeah. So we kind of jumped around, but you have three little boys. Yes. And uh, and so you surrendered and and you left. Yep. And uh, you separated from your your husband, and uh, and that was on vacation. How long ago? July nineteenth, two thousand and twenty-one. Okay. So one heck of a vacation. Right. It was our first and last vacation as a family. Okay. And so uh, so you 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 end up separating mm -hmm. and you're and you've got your little boys mm -hmm. and you get an apartment somehow. Yep. My God. Okay. And so uh, you're no longer married. Right. Um, we went through the process. It was pretty quick. Okay. 
Um, but then I had to, something, the hardest thing that always held me back from doing this before was I, I didn't want to leave my boys. I didn't want to, I loved my time with them. I loved being a stay-at-home mom, and I just couldn't believe that God would help me because I got myself into this situation. So I felt like I had to work myself out of it. But when I surrendered, God started doing some big miracles. He started working on my heart, and I prayed for the direction he wanted me to go to. He showed me that I'm a teacher. I was a Bible, I, I, later I can tell, but I became a Bible school teacher at my class, a Sunday school teacher. And then I have three little boys that I discipled, and God really showed that to me. Um, I get to disciple them every day, and God gave me the confidence that I and the calling to be a teacher. And I ended up applying at Baptist Bible College because I wanted to grow in my faith as well because I felt like that was a very important thing, being the leader of my boys. And so I ended up applying there and got in, and I started doing online classes. And then um, Jeremiah ended up going into um, a daycare, and I went on campus. And then God blessed me with a job at BBC. He took care of every step of the way. So what do you do at BBC? Um, I am, like, I, I clean guest housing. So there's apartments that are, like, for missionaries or guests, and I get the opportunity to clean them up and pray for the missionaries or whoever's coming in. That's exciting. Really. Yes, I love it. So you've got a good church family. Yes, I have an absolutely amazing one. Ashgrove First Baptist. <laughs> there you go. I was going to say, give them a shout out. So uh, would you share just a week in your life Yeah. with our people now? Because, you know, what's it like? I mean, I see you here faithfully at yeah. Freeway on Saturdays, and you, you're chugging around those three little boys. <laughs> and how old are they right now? Six, five, and four. And they're busy. Oh, they're very busy. <laughs> and uh, then you got my daughter, Zinley, on your hip a lot of times. Yeah. You know, you help Charlotte. Why Charlotte's, she's my wife, Charlotte. Shout out to Charlotte, the child care, amen. Yeah. Uh, she she leads our child care ministry here. Mm-hmm. And uh, and so share a week with us. What's it like being a single mom, Millie, in ministry? Uh, three boys, you know, what's it like? Well, I want to encourage people because a lot of people say my life's overwhelming. It absolutely is, but... Any moment in our life is overwhelming. We can get overwhelmed from doing nothing or doing something. So be prayerful about that. Um, my Monday nights, I try to leave open for family nights, but sometimes ministry does come in the way, and that's okay because we do it together. They're learning to serve. My Tuesday nights, um, there is going to be start being baseball. <laughs> they, okay. they, they think they're baseball players, and that's great. We're going to encourage that. Um <laughs> So Tuesday nights um, is also a night that I study a lot. Um, During the day, each day besides um, Friday, I go to BBC full-time. I'm taking 17 credit hours, and God's seeing me through it. Um, Wednesday night's church. Thursday night's going to season's class. And then, oh, Tuesday's also I'm here serving in the Timothy Project. Um, Interning. Yes. And then Friday night, I normally go to Friday night freeway, or I'm in a biblical counseling class that has Friday night classes. So I'm either there or here here, here at Freeway West. And then Saturday night, I'm here. Sunday's church, church. And um, it's a full schedule, but God gives me the time to get it all done. So you're not a scared little girl who uh, felt like she could never be anything anymore. No. What's funny is I even walked in here when I came back with a little bit of fear, like fear of judgment of people um, and letting them down because I knew what I had done was wrong, and I regret that. I tell my boys every day that if they get the opportunity to sit at the leadership's feet, at your feet, at Charlotte's feet to do it, and they'll tell me. I sit at their feet 
Um, that's why Isaiah dropped that paper off at your feet that one day. I, I asked him why. But, um, yeah. Well, I'm not worthy for you to sit at my feet. I promise that. I know, but I want them to know that it's important to listen to the leadership and to soak it in because I didn't for so long. My prayer is that they aren't, they don't take in the knuckleheadedness I did and they see how important it is to seek guidance from someone that is following the Lord. Will you surround them with God's people like you like the wall, like the like the mountains surround Jerusalem, and you keep them surrounded, and uh, and you let those men speak from the church speak into their lives, right. and they'll be just fine. Thank you. Yeah. I, uh, but I was gonna say sorry. Back no, to you're that. Okay. I came in um, scared of judgment, and I came in honestly scared of some of the abusers that I had faced. Trembling, actually. Me and Caitlin were talking about this the other day, and um, like. There was a time where security even had to watch me in a service, and I was so scared. But now, this is how funny God is. I In the Timothy Project, you have to be on security, and I can walk around here with confidence, and it's only because of God. Do you remember when that happened? Remember when I told you to tell that person? Yes, um, that, that oh, I can't remember. That you belong to God. Yes, and I'm that, the Lion of Judah. You have the Lion from the tribe of Judah in yes. you, and you're not afraid. Yes, I you remember that. get away from me. Yes. And I walk with Jesus. I come in the name of Jesus. Right. And you get security, and they will get carried out of here. That's right. And you walk in that truth. I had a, um, a great opportunity serving in security. There was a lady that was very scared, and she was crying and shaking, and God gives me the eye for that because I went through it, and I got to go talk to her, and I took her back, and I prayed with her, and I got to share what you did with me, and I got to tell her, every time you're scared, look back at me. I know I'm not much, but I'm here to tell you that you're safe because you're in God's house, and the devil doesn't want you here. And she stayed the whole service, and she came and thanked me at the end, and it was just God. It wasn't me. And so let me just, some people are listening or watching. They don't understand. Why would you be scared at Freeway, right? And it's it's really not scary, but the people that we deal with, uh, a large majority of our numbers, they come in on buses from the streets. And so they're homeless. Um, many of them have never been to church before in their lives. They never sung a worship song before they come in the doors of Freeway. They don't even know what worship is. And uh, they come here. And uh, there's a lot of fear in that, you know. And so they feel like the building might fall apart when they go in, you know. And so there's a lot of trauma. A lot of people are coming off of drugs or on drugs. Um, and so there's there's a lot involved in a spiritual war right. going on here. That's right. And so uh, and a lot of people, they come in, they, they're mentally ill. You right. know, because they've been on the street, yes. they've done a lot of drugs, and so they have that that uh, schizophrenic behavior, and so there is some element there, right? right? We're on the front lines. Freeway's the first place where I didn't have to wa worry about who was behind my back, and it took me a long time to actually figure that out. <laughs> so uh, what's your biggest struggle today, Millie? My biggest struggle is being a single mom and um, raising my boys in the Lord and wanting that for them, seeing... Um, how my choices kind of broke their hearts and um, walking them through that and seeing God is working in their life, but it's still something that I carry with me every day. Did you ever think your life could be the way it is right now? No, I just thought, I just thought that yesterday. I'm working at the place that I came to save our city, lost and bitter, and now God has me working there. Um, I actually got to take one of my sons there yesterday because he had an ear infection, and he got to clean with me and see what I do and go to classes. 
It's awesome. And I know that he was well received. Oh, yeah. He was doing science experiments in science class. And I know that the, the mamas there love you dearly. Mar- Barb Milioni, President Mark Milioni's wife, loves you very much. Yeah, um, she actually came and hugged me um, after I had lost my uncle and my papa. And she gave me a hug that I desired my whole life. It kind of just put me back together when everything was falling apart. What's life like for you now, Millie? Life, I'm going to let you guys know that life's hard. That's part of the sin being in the world, but life is great. I have the freedom of Christ. Um, I have the confidence to, to raise my boys, although it's a burden I carry with me. I, I know where to go when I need to know how to do something. And if I can't find it here, I have plenty of people God put in front of me to show me how to raise them. Um, and it's just great. Like, I'm doing things that I never thought I would do, like being in security. I still kind of laugh about that one. And teaching, um, I get to teach Sunday school class, like where I used to like literally smoke the word of God to get high. Yeah. I'm now teaching it. Like, Explain that to people so they understand. I would, when I didn't have enough like wraps or I would roll up the Bible and smoke it. Smoke the, mar- use it as a marijuana paper. Yes. Until yeah. it smoked me one day. There you go. Yep. And so, you know, whatever it takes. Right. <laughs> Yeah, and so uh, what message do you have for a single mom today or maybe a single dad? I was a single dad when I went into full-time ministry. Uh, well, let me take that back. I, I wasn't getting paid, but I was in ministry as a single dad um, of a little boy. And uh, before I met my wife, I was a single dad. And so what do you have? What message do you have for the single parent? You don't just have one kid got three yeah and they're all fast busy and they have a lot of trauma baggage that we've been dealing with through through this and so what do you have what message do you have for the for the single parent who who's thinking man i want to i feel like i'm called to ministry but i'm a single parent what what message do you have for them first off get on your knees amen second off there's a church family like so this is how god's blessed me like last week one of my friends came here and watched the boys this week i have um two other friends that are going to watch them and they're going to get to see like a christian family eat dinner with them and what a marriage is like um god if god calls you to it he will he will help you through it he will give you the tools and everything when i stay a week here i have several christian families that my kids are going to get to be in while i get to stay in the women's house so part of the internship program, big shout out to the Timothy Project. Uh, it's our internship program to where we raise up missionaries. Uh, some of the people in the Timothy Project will be supported to go start freeways. And we have one woman we support, and she's uh, overseas in women's houses and two women's homes in South Dakota, Rapid City. And uh, so she went through the Timothy Project. But part of that is if you didn't go through the women's residential program or men's residential program, you go live in the homes. And so Millie, when she says she's going to stay a week here, what Millie's saying to you guys uh, is that she's going to live in the women's house for a week. I mean, the first time away, I'm away from my kids, um, unless it was hospital stay. So it's going to be a great week. And if you guys want to pray for that. <laughs> Don't pray for her. Pray for Kevin Baker. <laughs> right? Is, is he keeping your kids? Oh, yeah. He's keeping them several days. Andy and Ashley are keeping them. And then uh, Miss Amy, a person God blessed us with, the Tremels from Crossway. Awesome. So... Uh, so what hurts you the most right now? In your, I mean, what would you say, this is something that really, in ministry, it just breaks me. The kids without either parent or the kids that have a parent and they don't understand why they walked off. 
Um, The littlest of the kingdom is what burdens me. That's why I'm going to be a teacher. And then also um, the single moms that think they can't get out, that think that they're hopeless. Those two kind of go hand in hand for me. Are you happy today, Millie? Oh, I am so, I'm so joyful. Like even on the bad days, I have a whole testimony of what God's done in my life and I carry it with me wherever I go. Well, I'm proud of you. Thank you. And I love you. I love you. And, uh, and we are excited about what God is doing in your life. So we're cheering you on. And if you ever need anyone to tell you you're doing a good job, you just give me a call, okay? Thank you. <laughs> All right. If, you, uh, if you've enjoyed this uh, episode of One Broken Life, you can subscribe. You can share uh, whatever you listen to. Maybe it's a, maybe it's a, a podcast. Maybe it's a video. YouTube, share that with your friends. If you want to support One Broken Life, you can go to uh, freeway-ministries.com and you can you can you can become a donor. A donor. Um, this is a production of Freeway Ministries, and so I'm very thankful to have you, Millie. I'm thankful uh, to be here. Powerful story. So proud of you, girl. Thank you. And, uh, and so we're thankful that you came on. Until we uh, see you again, uh, take it easy. Mm-hmm.